Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to yet another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And this week, we have a dear Keyforge friend that is well known in the scene. And uh, this week, it's just myself and uh, SC Steele. Sydney, how's it going? Pretty great. Yeah, and uh, we got a guest we got on. Uh, for the next month, we are going to be Scuzzy Gruenless. He is out of town visiting his folks back east. Sydney and I are going to uh, take the helm, and this week we're very excited to present Duncan. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. How are you? So for those of you who do not know Duncan, uh, he is the lead judge at all the Keyforge tournaments that have been happening since for how long has it been happening duncan um actually i began head judge duties um starting with the collinsville okay um, event yeah okay perfect so we decided to bring him on uh sydney had the privilege of spending time with him at keyforge live and so we've got some burning questions that we need to ask you to get to know about being a judge in the key forge tournament scene so uh without further ado sydney why don't you kick things off with uh, getting to know duncan a little bit better so yeah uh duncan i just also wanted to wanted to thank you for coming on it was really great getting to work with you at key forge live and um i really got to know you and it's it's kind of crazy judges to me are are like these mythical creatures of authority and uh once once i got to know you you were you were a mythical creature of of wonder still but i feel like um you're you're a real human being and and it's really great to have you here um so why don't you just start off with uh how'd you get into key forge well um to start, I mean, I, I was really more of a board gamer. Um, I liked the idea of card games, um, but as I began to look into them, I, I really felt that the price point to be relevant in card games was extremely high. Um, looking at the, the, the major games that were out there, I, I just couldn't justify spending that kind of money to get into those types of games. In addition to that, a lot of those games have been around for so long that I just felt like you would have to spend a lot of time learning the history of a lot of the, the sets and the cards and things of the sort. And so I, I, I tried like living card games and stuff like that. But even for some of those, they started to grow so big that you almost feel like you're spending so much time building decks and not a lot of time playing decks. Totally. Mm -hmm. And um, and so... Um, I, I was really looking for a card game, but not being successful in finding that. And uh, kind of around that same time, I was doing a lot of like board game camps and board game clubs because my actual profession is in education. And we had a, a local store um, game night that um, worked with me in providing games from their learn to play wall Um to use in the classrooms for these camps and stuff. And we were actually at the end of a summer. It was um, right after Gen Con of 2018 when FFG announced Keyforge. And I was returning the games back to the store. And uh, one of the store uh, managers at that time um, had just heard from a couple people that had returned and had Keyforge decks. 
And him and I were having a similar conversation. And he was like, Duncan, pull up to this counter right now. You're going to learn this game. And and he taught me the game right there on the spot. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, deck building. He's like, there is no deck building. This is what you get. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And uh, <laughs> and so he, he, he talked about the things that he had learned from people who had came back from Gen Con. And immediately I fell in love with the game. And uh, and so I was like, well, how do we how do we turn this into a thing locally? How do we how do we educate people about this? How do we get the word out about this? How do I get more of these? And he was like, this thing doesn't even release for months. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 this is not going to work. So we, we came up with a plan and I do a lot of like community work here locally in the St. Louis area. I MC a lot of events. I run fundraisers, uh, a lot of stuff like that. So for me to just to try to jump into a community role would just felt natural to me. And, um, so this store manager actually reached out to people who had came back from Gen Con, acquired, I want to say like 18 decks, because of course, FFG was handing these things out for free um, when, they, when they announced it. And so we acquired about 18 decks and literally, it, I'm pretty sure it was either the weekend directly after Gen Con or the following weekend, we started running sealed events at that store every weekend. Oh, that's so cool. That's a great story, actually. That's one of the best like, getting into Keyforge stories I've heard so far. No, it was super fun. There was a lot of um, a lot of excitement about it. And uh, yeah, it was super cool. That would be like you to bring it to the community. Like your focus is to to make other people happy. For sure. You know, the excitement level uh, of getting other people involved creates an environment that gives you more opportunity to play. So that's kind of what my goal was. Totally. What what made you then become a judge? Was it already the the situation you had put you in, or was there like an interest level there? How'd that happen? So I think um, you know, running these local events and things of the sort, I you know, you kind of get thrusted into that judge type role because you're the one who's organizing, and um, and actually during that time. Um, kind of my right-hand man in all of this, Josh Matthews, um, that guy was driving an hour plus every weekend, um, one direction, just to uh, just to get to play with us. Wow. And him and I would spend a lot of time, even after the event, you know, talking about the interactions and the rules and things of the sort. But it, it then we started to learn about like the vault tours. And at this point, I've decided I want to impress FFG so much with what's happening in the St. Louis market that they're going to bring a vault tour to St. Louis. And and I had even, even the people who were running the vault tours at the time had even reached out to me um, and gave me an opportunity to kind of come and do vault tours with them. Uh, I guess just the, the timing and package of things just really didn't, you know, meet up to uh, me being able to do it at that time. But um, about... A couple of weeks before Gen Con 2019, I believe it was, I got um, an email um, from them and they were like, hey, we could really use your help. And so I actually decided to do it, um, went to Gen nice. Con, not to be a judge, um, but actually to help um, kind of structure and organize and just run the back end of it. So like, you know, registering people and scorekeeping and stuff like that. And uh, kind of at that event, um, 
my goal at that event really was just to try to do everything I can to learn everything that was happening around me, uh, either by the organizers or by FFG or anybody else that was there. I talked to everybody I could talk to, um, just to, to take in as much as possible. And, and I kind of found myself in a little bit of a leadership role, um, during that weekend. And then, um, kind of after that, um, people probably know a little bit about the history. There was a little bit of a pivot, um, in who was running the, um, events, uh, for vault tours. And I actually lucked out quite a bit because the, company that it rolled to was, um, of course, Yeti Gaming, and they are located in St. Louis, which is where I'm located. And Perfect. so we were kind of like put in contact with each other. Um, I, I kind of got some support and um, from some of the uh, FFG staff and um, was put into contact with, uh, with Yeti. And interestingly enough, um, when we rolled into do Collinsville, which again, this was my whole goal from the very beginning was just <laughs> a vault tour in the St. Louis area. And Collinsville, um, for people who don't know, is literally like 10 minutes from like downtown St. Louis. Um, it was really interesting. I was preparing myself for organization and structure and helping them, you know, understand these are the types of events that are going on and how to do them, blah, blah, blah. And then as we're really ramping up and we're days away from, from doing this, um, uh, Vince sat down with me and he goes, you're my head judge. And I went, no, 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 no. I no, no, you misunderstood. And uh, he's like, no, 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 you're the guy. You're, you're, you're the head judge. Um, you've got the scope, the vision. He was really building me up and, um, and, and telling me that I was the right guy for it. And that was really my first experience with, with becoming head judge. That's, that's so amazing. Cool. Oh my gosh. Good for you. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a great story. You you mentioned it. You knew all the formats and stuff like that. Like, wh what is your favorite format? And maybe you can come at that from both as a player and when you're judging an event. Do you have like a preferred event you prefer to judge or anything like that? Or you find there's more interesting interactions that you have to deal with? From my perspective, from a judging side, anyway, I I feel like. I just want people to be super excited about what they're playing. So I really don't care what the format is. I, I really mm. don't. Um, weird interactions are going to be weird interactions. They're going to show up <laughs> all over the place. So I'm, I don't really have a preference from a judging perspective. Um, from a playing perspective, again, I mentioned earlier that I feel like I'm kind of an average level player. So I feel like I probably have the best opportunity to shine uh, during sealed events, um, which in itself is kind of funny because for a sealed event, it really takes a lot of skill for a player to look at their deck list and to understand what it does, which I do not. I look at a deck list and I go, let's drive the wheels off this thing. And, <laughs> uh, and that's my approach. Um, but I, I feel like if I'm playing against other people who are kind of probably more along the lines of I am like, let's have fun with this. Let's just see what the deck does then I feel like we're both around the same level. And then that way, I think it's probably more fun for both of us. That makes sense. So, I get that. Speaking of like weird interactions, like the, the rules are changing every time a set comes out. How do you keep up to date with all the rules? Well, um, 
you kind of mentioned uh, a little bit in the uh, the last podcast. Um, you you had talked about watching Matthews and I kind of just <laughs> interact about rules, and that's that's kind of we have to be predictive a little bit about rules. And so, like one of the things you mentioned, is you see us make a ruling. And we always go back and talk about the rulings. I'm constantly making notes on all of the rulings that were made. And I always want to go back and make sure I can support all of those answers. Um, But then we also try to break all of those rules too. And I think at one point I had brought up a scenario and a couple of you guys had walked by and you're like, is that even possible? (laughs) And, And basically my response was not yet. You know, because you just never know where these sets are going to go. But typically, um, Matthews and I, when when a new set of rules will come out, we'll jump on a call together. Uh, Like I said, he lives an hour, hour and a half away. So we'll jump on a call together. We'll we'll literally go word by word through the rule book. Um, I actually, this is kind of a super nerd moment. I have every version of the rules that have ever come out. Um, in a binder so we can compare old phrasings and statements to new phrasings and statements where they've omitted sentences that used to be in the old ones and now they're not in the new ones or they've added sentences. I mean, obviously the the red print tells us what they added. You don't see what they took out. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's next level sleuthing. I love it. So yeah, so we kind of got to dig through it a little bit. um, Like for we recently have found a scenario that um, where there's a little bit of omission in the new rule book that is relevant to dark tidings. And so we're trying to figure out how to interpret that information without a definitive answer from FFG right now. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. So on, on that line, like what's, what's the most difficult ruling you you've had to make? Like, and I don't mean like it was, like it was, it felt bad or anything like that, but it wasn't obvious and it took some time to figure out how to resolve it. Is there anything that like stands out in your memory that you're like, wow, that was a, that was a tough call to make? There, there are definitely some timing questions, um, that we've had where we, we really have to step back, um, because there's multiple things happening there and we got to make sure that one, the interpretation of the card is right, that the timing of each piece is is held out correctly it's really hard because there's so many um there's just so many things that are out there but i mean i mean we've we have had situations where it's taken us 10 or 15 minutes to get it right and of course in a tournament setting you you really don't want to take that long but you do want to get it right and so obviously those folks get time extensions or whatever but man, I wish I wish I can give you an exact example, but there has been some pretty tough, tough calls. I believe it. Mm-hmm. it. It sounds like you really enjoy what you do, and that's just so inspiring. It feels like you're you're absolutely the right guy for the job. What what's your favorite part of judging? Like, what do you like most about doing this? So, really, my favorite part is seeing the room filled full of people who are excited for the experience. Um, it, it's one of my favorite things to find out. And, and I didn't do it at Keyforge Live. Unfortunately, we had a lot to cover, but <laughs> I will ask um, in my players meetings. Um, 
I will ask who who is attending a vault tour for a first time and really let those guys kind of take it in. And the great part about the community, as those people raise their hands, everybody else embraces them immediately. They're excited that they're there. They're clapping for them. They're cheering for them. I mean, you would think they just got a double in the bottom of the ninth trailing by a run. You know, the... (laughs) The community genuinely is excited for those new people to be there. Um, And that's the part that's most exciting for me. It's like I am a part of this moment for them. Um, I'm not really good at um, receiving compliments. Um, I I, I love to hear them. Don't get me wrong. It's just a lot of times (laughs) it's hard for me to to take it in and uh i don't know what to do with it you know it's just it's like oh thanks appreciate it you know but it i don't know these people are really sharing their appreciation and i had a moment at keyforge live where a parent a mom walked up to me and she said um she said we walked in and we weren't 100 percent sure what to expect and she goes and then i saw you and she I knew my kids were going to be okay. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, especially as a teacher, that that hit pretty pretty home for me. That's, That's really epic. That's so amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we are blessed as I've been a part of some other big name games and uh going to those tournaments I always didn't really like the environment. And I found that Keyforge, those kind of, we'll call them quote unquote toxic environments don't really exist. And there's so much more inclusivity and just this sense of community on a much higher level. And I feel like a lot of players who have come to Keyforge came like at a, they had a disdain for those other games that were playing or like, I don't want to be a part of that environment anymore. And we kind of all just came together and decided that wasn't going to be a thing. And it's, it's really nice to see and to have a support group in the judging staff like yourself to help foster that, which is really amazing. And that's really interesting that you bring that up specifically because for me, I don't come from another game. You know, I didn't play Mm -hmm. any of those other games. So, um, you know, my approach to Keyforge Forge is as as pure as it can get. It's directly into Keyforge. I'm looking 100% at the spirit of Keyforge. I'm not trying to compare it um, to other games and and other things so i wasn't as aware of those other types of communities but one of the things that i did before i had the opportunity to be a judge because again i was just trying to say hey st louis is going to be that spot (laughs) event um i would listen to every podcast i could get my hands on after every vault tour event and i would read every article that everybody put out and on the u.s side and on the european side and basically in super nerd moment i would just start to make a list these are the things that people said they really 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 liked and these are the list of things that people said that they did not like or struggled with during those events and so it was like every time we would do something local I would just pretend like it was my own little vault tour. And, <laughs> and these are these are the things that we're going to do. So those types of things don't happen with your experience. I remember when I met you at, in Vegas and you specifically referenced my disappointment going to the grand championship and there being no prize wall to me. Like, look, we got a prize wall stocked. And I think about that. You said that every time. <laughs> I, I've never forgotten that. That was a that was a cool moment. Well, I appreciate that. 
So um, have you been able to take part in any molding of rules based on like tournaments and issues with the rules that you have come across? Like, do you get to have any input in that or is it kind of you just roll with the punches as they come to you and they change the, the rules? So I think this is probably the most difficult part of judging because obviously we have some very clear answers from FFG and by very clear, they could change from one YouTube cast to another YouTube cast. Um, <laughs> and I get it. I, I, I totally get it. I mean, the game is so new that it, it's going to go through um, some growing phases. But there are an awful lot of interactions that are not covered by FFG. And I think for me personally, when I would reference the people around me and be like, okay, so here's the scenario. This keeps coming up. How do we want to do this? And for those eyes to turn back to me and go, you're the head judge. That's your call. And that is a scary feeling because I'm just a steward of the game, right? I'm not the end all be all. I'm not the last call. So I, I really want the input of the people around me for those rules um, in those moments. And we got to make sure we get it right for the spirit of Keyforge. Unfortunately, that's where those moments end. You know, I, I, I don't have any influence um, any higher than that. Um, um, nobody from FFG is calling me and saying, Duncan, how do you think we should interact with this? Um, so we, we take responsibility for the things that we have to take responsibility for, and we become stewards of the things that have been laid ahead of us. Well, Very FFG cool. is definitely missing out on an opportunity to, uh, to take you on. So, so the, their loss. Well, that's but, kind, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned working for, or at least running a lot of different levels of events from like store OP all the way up to like grand champions chips and vault tours and stuff. How does judging differ from such a, a huge event to to such a casual event? So I, I think part of judging, and, and maybe this wasn't so for other judges, but for me, part of judging is not just making rules calls, but it's making sure that people feel confident that the environment that they're in is the the best environment they can be in to play at that level so making sure that there's you know structure that everybody's using that there's understanding that everybody is at the same place um to me that's probably the most important thing so as you go through the different levels um even even if you know this past weekend we did some chain bound sealed mass mutations um if an interaction comes up, I say to them, okay, guys, so I just want to prepare you for this moment. If you were at a vault tour, this would be your accountability level. You're mm -hmm. in a casual environment, you know, so it is not, you know, unfair for you guys to take these steps to correct this situation. So it's just a matter of just making sure that they're aware of, you know, what those different levels could feel like from a from a rules and procedures point of view, but really I, I treat them all the same way. Cool. 
So some of these events are all day events, multiple day events. You are run ragged by how much you have to judge. What is what does a typical day in the life look like at some of these events? So uh, <laughs> for me, um, oftentimes it'll look like uh, working a full school day on a Thursday, oh. flying out Thursday night, getting in super late Thursday night, getting up for like a vault tour, getting up pretty early on that Friday um, and starting to build what the vault tour is going to look like um, structurally, you know, with tables, um, the signage, um, banners, flags, computers. I mean, like literally you can walk in on a Friday morning and it's an empty room. Wow. Um, and then by noon, you know, when the doors open or whatever time your doors open, it it's a completely transformed space. So, you know, there's no roadies or anything to help out with those types of things. <laughs> and then you have to kind of just shift your mind over real quick. And then you start kind of playing around with some rules questions and interactions and kind of just kind of helping people change their mind frame over to to the event itself. Um, and then you really want to get that players meeting, I feel is so important. It, it really is to kind of get everybody on the same page. That's probably the thing I'm most proud of um, when it comes to Keyforge is, is my players meeting. Um, I get a lot of feedback from people that feel like it, it really has helped them feel like everybody understands the same thing. It eliminates a lot of problems. Um, you jam Keyforge all day, most of the night. Sometimes you don't get done till midnight. Um, you're trying to grab something to eat on the way back to the hotel, <laughs> um, hit the bed, get back up pretty early the next morning, get in. Um, I personally like to try to, and I get made fun of for this. I like to reset the tables, make all the chairs straight, put all the signage back, make sure the pens are all there. <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, that's that experience. I want people to walk in and go, yes, this is fresh. This is fun. This is clean. You know, um, I kind of joked at Keyforge Live, we were getting done with day one and there was so much energy in the group and they're all super excited. Everybody's super excited. Sydney is always super excited, by the way. <laughs> smile never leaves her face. Um, and I kind of half jokingly went, that's okay, guys. Wait till about midway through tomorrow you'll feel it. And, uh, and you do, you get done with day one, uh, you know, you that top cut, you're on day two for top cut, you finish that up. Now you immediately have to pivot into another main event. And so now you're back into registration and all these people are running up going, hey, if I do this with my deck, is this going to work? Like everybody wants to make sure their deck works the way it, they think it does, you know? So you're answering a lot of those questions and then that event kicks off and you get a couple rounds into that. And at one point you're like, is this, is this really only round three? And then you go, oh, yeah, but I ran four rounds of top cut before this. So yeah, we're seven rounds into this. I should feel tired like this. And then you run a late night doing that, come back Sunday, do it again. And oftentimes by the time the team event wraps up, they like to finish up with team events on Sundays. You know, it's grab the bags, head to the airport, get home late you know, and then up early and back to school the next day. You oh, are a packed. beast. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell people all the time, you want to be a judge, 
until you're a judge. <laughs> I think I'd rather sit down and play. Yeah, it does. It does sound uh, less hectic. So with, uh, I guess, IRL play starting to happen again, and we're most likely going to start to see more of these tournaments, what advice for players do you have that will give them like the greatest success playing the game from like a logistical rule standpoint? Like what's your hot take for people sitting back at the table across from other people uh, to, to have that great success enjoying Keyforge? I think one of the two most important things that I've tried to encourage people with the players meeting one is redrawing your hands face down. <laughs> so that, that I love that. To be one of the biggest um, headache points in, in games where people misdraw and then you're having to resolve. And I mean, arguably the harshest penalty in the game if you overdraw and have looked at your hand. Um, but more importantly um, than that, I think is the narrate your turn. If you are telling your story of what you're doing on your turn to your opponent, it's very clear what's happening. It's very clear to your opponent what your intentions are. And that kind of just threads the storyline of what's happening between you and your opponent during gameplay. It also helps everybody to know exactly where everything is at the exact same time. So if you're new to the game and you're not 100% sure how the card interactions are, um, more seasons players can hear what's happening and help you in those moments. Um, if you're more seasoned in the game and you just happen to overlook something, it gives your opponent the opportunity um, to kind of help catch that moment so it keeps that storyline going. I mean, we've all had that moment where we tried to attack an elusive creature, not realizing that it's elusive and, uh, and kind of wrecking our turn. And so kind of just talking your way through that, I think in real life play, um, it helps people become more familiar with the cards and their interactions, even if they're not in their own decks um, and, and kind of helps with that flow of, of the game and allows opportunities for people to kind of communicate um, how Keyforge works and how that story is told. Oh, that's great. I like that. That's uh, that's really good. We here in Vancouver, we we start our first IRL event this upcoming Monday. So uh, I'm excited. And I'll remember those, take those to heart, the narration part, especially. So, uh, Duncan, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your experience within the game of Keyforge and in the tournament setting. Uh, I know everyone's going to really enjoy getting to hear your take on things. And uh, thank you, Sydney, for uh, for getting this all organized as well. I am just so happy for you to be here, Duncan. Well, it was an honor. Um, I, I don't, I don't perceive myself as this great guest, but uh, but I'm I'm happy to be a part of the uh, the podcast and uh, glad glad to be a part of this community. Yeah, we're glad too. No question about it. But of course, we cannot end an episode without the titular segment. We call it Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Sydney, I understand you have a lesson to be learned for our listeners this week. I sure do. So I was practicing for my coat game this week and um, my uh, World Collide deck has uh, Star Alliance. So I have both Quintrino Flux and Red Alert. And I, I realized in this most recent game, after how I played it, I really do have to calculate before I pick which one I'm going to play, which one will benefit me most. Because in this most recent play, 
I, I played Quintrino Flux immediately. Like it was the first card I played because I was so gung ho about getting rid of a very specific card on their side, not realizing that it was actually going to take out three of their other cards as well. Well, including the one I, the creature I picked on my side, I ended up getting rid of three of their creatures. So my red alert did two less damage than it would have otherwise. And so it, uh, it ended up just not killing as many things on their board as it could have. So I think I benefited from it because uh, getting rid of that specific creature was so important, but I could have, I could have mathed it a little bit better, but it's just an interesting combination. Quintrino flux and red alert can, can either hurt or help you depending on the order you pick it. So, so definitely keep an eye out for that because those, those both very commonly show up in decks together. Sequencing is definitely a big thing in Keyforge, no doubt about it. All right, Duncan, um, I don't know. Do you have any socials in which people can reach out to you or do you prefer to, to keep it anonymous? <laughs> so I, I don't uh, participate on the socials too much. I, I am on Facebook. Um, I am rather private on Facebook for the most part. However, I, I have befriended many, 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 many people in the Keyforge community um, and I'm very responsive to um, folks that reach out to me. Very cool. And Sydney, where can folks find you? I am, as always, SC Steel on Discord and TCO. Perfect. And you can find me as uh, Boulevard Blake. That's BLVD Blake on Twitter, as well as on my YouTube channel, where I'm putting out lots of more analysis content these days. That does it for this week, folks. Uh, we appreciate Duncan coming on, and we got some exciting guests this month for you. So until next time, folks, stay fortunate.